traps can be such hideous things. You know, you know that, that picture of a, a beautiful animal's flesh being cut into by, by a snare or, or, you know, a trap around an animal's neck is just, it's just, I mean, it's awful. Perhaps you're thinking of some of those pictures of prisoners, people held prison in, in just appalling, dirty, broken conditions. Surely nobody can, can look at that and think, well, it's okay, because it's, it's not. Anything that restricts and, and takes away freedom is, is it's evil. But the truth is not all traps are ugly. Not all traps are hideous like, like an animal snare or like a terrible prison. It turns out that some traps are actually very beautiful. In fact, sometimes animals and human beings willingly allow themselves to be trapped because the traps that they find themselves in are actually beautiful and comfortable and even sometimes look quite desirable. But in the end, they are traps nonetheless because they take away our freedom. Right from the very beginning of human history, that story is told. In the book of Genesis, we read this. Genesis 3 verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. That trap that the devil used to ensnare humanity was beautiful. But for, for Adam and Eve, and for every human being since then, we have been paying the price of being caught in that trap, as beautiful as it was. We're beginning a series this week, over the next four weeks, called Taboo. And, and it's a series about traps and about freedom. It's, it's a story of us as human beings being caught and snared and trapped and having our freedom taken away from us. And it's, it's a series about God and his love for humanity and his creation of humanity to be free and the plans and purposes that he's got to set us free. And so, so I'm really excited to invite you on this journey. But the truth is, some of this journey is going to be ugly because, because we need to look with real eyes at the traps that we as human beings are caught in. And we need to, to reckon with them and agree with God about them and allow God to lead us to freedom. And so this series is about both physical and spiritual freedom, about physical and spiritual traps. 
and about the gift of freedom that God promises to every single one of us. Today, I want to start with God's story of freedom. Probably no greater, more well-known story about freedom than the story of Exodus in the Old Testament. Anybody who comes from any kind of church tradition or Jewish tradition knows that story. In fact, it is repeated over and over and over throughout Scripture. The story of, of God's chosen people trapped in Egypt and then led into freedom and ultimately to the promised land. But it begins here. It begins not with the people of Israel, but with God himself. And the first thing we need to know about our bondage and about the traps that we are in and about the dangers of our world is this, that God sees the bondage. In the book of Exodus, it is made so clear that God saw the bondage of the people of Israel. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 2. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God saw the trap they were in. But it doesn't stop there. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And out of that bush, God says this, The Lord said to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians, from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Havites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. It is made clear in just a few verses again and again that God saw what the what the Israelites were growing, going through. He saw it. He took note of it. He knew it was happening. I'm really sure that often Israelites felt like God had abandoned them. Often, I'm sure that they had been tempted just to give up and say, well, it, it's going to be like this forever. 
We are always going to be trapped like this. We might as well not even try. But God saw them. God saw every bit of pain and suffering and injustice and, in, and hardship that they were going through. And he said, I have to do something about this. I will. And so he calls Moses over. And he says, Moses, with your help, in partnership with you, I'm going to set these people free. And that's exactly what God does. And you may not be familiar with the story, um, and if you're not, you please go and read in the book of Exodus. And those of you who are familiar, you know it happened in a series of events that eventually culminate in, in the, the moment of Passover, where, where a, a, a lamb is, is sacrificed, and, door, and, and, and blood is painted on the doorposts of people's houses, and God engineers circumstances so that his people can be free. And hundreds, thousands of slaves leave Egypt. And the moment they step out of Egypt, the moment they walk away, they are free. They are no longer slaves. But the truth is, neither are they yet in the promised land. In fact, the promised land, if you carry on reading the story, is 40 years away. And so despite the fact that they are out of the trap, despite the fact that God has given them and, and, and gifted to them freedom, they have to go on a journey to learn what it is like to be free. And so God takes them on this 40-year journey to teach them what freedom means. <laughs> I'd love you to go and read the story. What a story. What a journey. We discover that, that even though they, they have become free, they don't always think free. It's not long before things are a little bit tough for them, and they begin to imagine things like it was better back in Egypt. In fact, they even ask Moses to take them back there because they said it was really great there. We had enough to eat. There are unbelievable low points where they, they act as if they are still trapped. There are other unbelievable low points where they don't just act like they're trapped. They re-trap themselves. God offers them his laws, which... which are the very epitome of what it looks like to live in freedom as a people with God. And rather than do that, they worship an idol. But there are also moments of immense joy and privilege and excitement where, where God provides water, where God provides food, where they celebrate God's amazing goodness. You see, Israel discovered that the freedom that God gives us when he sets us free through his, his salvation has to also be learned and lived out. It, it, it turns out that, that for, for his people, so much of, of, 
of the garbage of slavery, so much of, of the getting used to living as slaves stuck to them. And so God had to take them on this journey to teach them to live in that true freedom. And here's the thing, it wasn't just a spiritual journey or just a physical journey. It was both of those at the same time. See, it turns out that this freedom that God offers to us and offered to Israel isn't just a spiritual freedom. It is actually a physical freedom as well. And here's what's really exciting. You see, that story of ancient Israel and God's freedom and his exodus and, and his getting them out of that trap and leading them into complete freedom, that's our story as well. It's not just for that Old Testament time. That is our story as well. The bondage that you and I live in may look very different to the people of Israel living as slaves in Egypt. In fact, for many of us, it, it may look very beautiful. Um, it, it, may, it may involve lots of everything, but it is bondage nonetheless. We are all, the Bible says, slaves to sin. And we're in bondage. And here's what's beautiful. God has seen our bondage. God has seen that we are trapped. And he's come to set us free. In Luke chapter 4, Right near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's just come out of the desert. He's been tempted by, by Satan, he's been fasting, and he comes out of the desert, and he begins to preach. And he goes to Galilee, to his home town. And we read this in Luke chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Whether you are a follower of Jesus or whether you are not yet one, you have been seen by God in the place where you are trapped and you have been set free. I know that because this passage says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All those promises 
that, that, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that, that prisoners will be free, have been fulfilled. We, we can't experience freedom until we recognize it. Until we understand that it is there and it has been given to us, we will never experience it. And so I, I want us to pause for a moment. I want us just to stop where we are. And I want us to thank God for that freedom. I want us to focus on Him and listen to His voice. And listen to the song that tells us that we have been given freedom.
What a great moment to have been able to contemplate. But, and it's a big but, because just like the people of ancient Israel, you and I, although we've been given freedom, although Jesus has set us free, need to be taught by Jesus how to be free. We need to be taught how to use our freedom and how to live in our freedom. It's a common thing. We're not unusual. Christians throughout the ages have struggled with this. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes this to a bunch of Christians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And so just like those Israelites that had been set free from Egypt and are journeying to that promised land where, where freedom will be experienced in all its fullness, you and I, in a, in a very real sense, are in a wilderness. We're in a place where we've been set free, but our freedom is not yet fulfilled. And so we need to learn to live in that freedom. We need to learn to discover it and explore it. And that's what the series and the sermon is about. It's about that journey of both spiritual freedom and physical freedom. In the next few weeks, we're going to hear some amazing stories from people who were trapped. And some of those traps looked ugly. They were traps of addiction. And traps of other things that as, they, as, we, as you and I look at them, we would recognize immediately that they are traps and they are ugly. But some of those traps look beautiful. I want to ask you this question as, as we go on this journey. What are some of the traps that you have? What are some of the things, perhaps personality traits or old habits or, or ways of thinking that stop you experiencing the complete freedom that is in Christ? You see, the Israelites couldn't leave until they recognized that they needed to leave. And even when they had been given freedom, sometimes in, in the desert, they would, they would long back to being slaves again. Why? Because their minds had been broken by sin. And the truth is, you and I still will experience traps in our journey. And God wants us to be ultimately free of those, but he wants us to be free of them now. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to ask you to, to ask God to show you what those traps are. And we're going we're to listen to stories of different people and how God has journeyed with them. And we want every single one of you to, to be part of that journey. You see, because the story of freedom is truly the story of God. Because God created us 
to be completely free. The beauty of complete freedom isn't just that we become everything that we can be in Jesus Christ. But when we are truly free, we can give our freedom away. We can invite other people into this great and glorious freedom that God promises. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God, thank you for your story of freedom. Lord, thank you for the stories of freedom that we will hear over the next few weeks. Jesus Christ, thank you for this incredible gift of freedom that you have given to us. Oh God, make us people who embrace our freedom, who live out our freedom, and who use our freedom to bring other people in to the freedom of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to live out our freedom today and tomorrow and every day. Amen.